welcome you back again, yes, again, to the opening of a new week in fantasy baseball. Kyle Alfred, Gray Flowers with you on the Baseball Elite Podcast, and we should welcome um, all of our listeners, not only our subscribers, but of course those who are uh, tuning in for free, uh, because every Monday, the early week edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast is free for all, uh, and Ray, that's what we'll call it, just free for all. We will not call anyone a freeloader only taking advantage of the Monday edition. We just call them, well, let's call them smart because they are getting insight uh, for a brand new week of fantasy baseball, but they're ignoring it the rest of the week, I guess. Well, I, yeah, and that's too bad, right? Like that's, that doesn't sound like an ideal scenario, Kyle. They, it they, they like... should join us in the middle of yeah. the week of the weekend. I'm just reminding everybody that it's not just Monday. There is a way to hear more of Ray and his infinite knowledge if, if you just sign up. I think. Well, thank you, Kyle. You can hear yours too. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you can still get the seasonal package right now. $39.99, it's not that much. You know, 40 bucks, that's what, less, that's what, eight bucks a month the rest of the regular season? That's the price of a sandwich and a, and a soda. So yeah, it's, we're here to help. We do, do this three times a week. I sometimes sneak in extra podcasts on my own. I did a couple of those last week. So we actually had five podcasts up last week. Uh, we'll have the rankings updated. The rankings get updated the first of every month. So that means on May 1st, 500 plus players all re-ranked. I'll be doing that this week and all the other goodness that the staff has got uh, for everyone to read as well. You're covered. That's what we're getting at. You're covered. Um, here today, we've got a lot of stuff of kind of looking back to the weekend, uh, but also looking forward uh, to the week to come. You heard Ray say, um, you know, 40 bucks for the year eight bucks a month. That means there's only five months left in the baseball season. Can it be? Well, we got about, you know, what, three and a half weeks in. Uh, so already things are moving quite, quite quickly. And every time we, you know, start up the microphone here on the podcast, there is so much to discuss. We always love to give you our uh, starting nine, kind of give you a rundown of where we're going in this edition of the podcast. So let's start there. Leading off uh, is actually a guy who I think has led off a few times in podcast history. Uh, we're going to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr., part of another fantastic series between the Dodgers and the Padres. And Tatis coming off an awesome game on Sunday night. Uh, just to view that game was awesome. But for the fantasy player, if you had Tatis, that's what you're paying for is what we saw last night from him. So he'll lead things off. We'll hit you with some news and notes in the two-hole. Mike Trout and Trey Turner, both those guys are uh, dealing with some injuries. We'll give you the latest there. In the three-hole, we will talk about yet another no hitter, but maybe it's not really a no hitter. I, I guess they're still trying to figure this out. Madison Bumgarner, he does it against the Braves. What's it mean for Bumgarner? How many of you gave up on Madison Bumgarner before he suddenly fired a seven inning no hitter? We'll talk about that in the three spot. In the four hole, we'll uh, run you through the hot additions in the fab and waiver ads this week in the Sirius XM host league that Ray and I are both a part of. Five hole, we'll take a look at uh, some of the highlights of Rob Povia's weekly planner article over at uh, Fantasy over at uh, Fantasy uh, Guru. You can check that out and uh, we'll uh, spotlight a few things that Rob's talking about there. In the six hole, our player profile, we'll take a look at Framil Reyes, who is uh, kind of quietly having a really solid start to the season, had a big Sunday as well. We'll take a look at the Indians DH there. Uh, in the seven hole, we'll look at the saves leaderboard. I don't know how many have checked this yet, uh, but there are a lot of guys like in the top 10 that were all drafted, but you could have gotten them really late. A lot of guys there. And we're not talking about Josh Hader or Roldis Chapman. Those guys are doing fine. But if you waited on relievers and you hit on any of these guys, you're very, very happy. You didn't have to get them off the waiver wire. You could have drafted these guys in like the 300s, the 400s. What's the rest of the way outlook, though, for these guys who have gotten off to good starts in the bullpen? In the eight hole, our random reference. In the nine hole, our stamp of approval. So, Ray, let's get things underway and let's start with Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, you know, going back a couple of weeks ago, I think you and I were probably um, on the pessimistic side. For Tatis Jr. Um, and, and I still stand in that spot. You, you can tell me if you still stand in that spot. But I will say Sunday night, I'm settling in. I'm watching the Padres and the Dodgers. Fantastic game. We don't often get it in baseball, but we got one that, again, lived up to the hype. And Ray Tatis was a huge part of it. Uh, phenomenal game on Sunday night. couple of hits, a homer, a couple of walks, a couple of steals, four runs scored. It's like the check all the boxes effort that we've been wanting to see from Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh yeah, it's great. Um, and he's a, he's a great player. 
his skills are special. You know, we all know that. Um, but, the, you know, does it change my opinion? Not at all. Because as you and I have both said, well, okay, let me just be clear about this. I am surprised he has been as effective in the short run here as he has been the last, you know, 10 days. I am surprised by that. I'm not shocked. I'm just surprised. That being said, I don't change my opinion here. And I don't think you do either, Kyle, that, you know, this shoulder is still an issue. This shoulder will be an issue. And at some point it's going to come up. It may not be this year. He might make it through the season and he might have that off-season surgery this year and everything might be okay. He might have it come up in two days. We, we just don't know. And let's not forget that all the medical personnel, the, the ones that don't know him, not his doctors, but all the medical personnel are pretty insistent that he's going to need surgery at some point or an extended off period of time in order to strengthen his shoulder. He didn't have the off period of time. He certainly didn't have the surgery. So I, I'm still in the same place I was when he went down with the injury, concerned. And I'll also throw this out there. I know no one cares. He made another error. I mean, he's got nine errors in 14 games. He is setting baseball defense back to 1885. He is playing horrible defense. Only one's talking about his offense right now. Yeah, and, and I get it. In the fantasy game, all we care about is offense. Um, even with the, the solid weekend, and it was a crazy good weekend. What do you have, uh, five home runs in three games or four games, I guess it was, in L.A.? I mean, the guy was just launching the baseball. And, and so, Ray, he's got seven home runs. And, okay, that's great to see. There are still some strike, a lot of strikeouts yep. here. The average is still below 250. Now, the I don't know about surprise, but the two stolen bases on Sunday night, um, those are the things I really wasn't counting on with the shoulder. Um, he's up to four now. This is a guy, right? Four stolen bases doesn't sound like much, but that's like, what, third in baseball <laughs> when you break it down? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of guys tied at five and four and a couple of guys at eight. But, I mean, that's where he ranks now with four stolen bases. And I don't know, Ray, I, I still think 20 isn't isn't really there for Fernando Tatis. Um, he's never gotten to 20, but, of course, he's never played even 100 games in the season. Do you, do you think 20 to 30 steals is, is doable for Tatis this year? Well, he's played 158 career games to date over the three years. He's hitting 296 with 46 home runs and 31 steals. A 40-30 I mean, season to yep, begin his career, right? With, with two hits short of being a 300 hitter, too. So, you know, the, he, is, he is a tremendous talent. He's, he's not only a tremendous talent, he's proven that he can be an elite performer. Now the question, again, is the shoulder. And, twenty. I mean – we, we talked about this when it happened, you know, does he play 140 games this year? I think he, I think he kind of, he's got to get there in my opinion to really be looked at as a, as a 20 steel guy for this season. Can I, can I make a bet? I'm going to say yeah. no. What, well, that, what would your bet be on that? I would say no too. Yeah. Which is why I, you know, could he get to 20 steals? Absolutely. He could. Am I expecting it? No. Could he get 15 to 18? I think that's fair. Sure. But again, I, I, I look at it as a scenario being that he's got to be out on the field in order for that number to happen. Because again, you know, at some point, I'm broken record here. I, I'm not saying this to be flipping or to be a radio guy or a podcast guy. His defense is terrible right now. Okay, terrible right now. He's got to clean that part of his game up. And I don't know if that ends up impacting his offense. I don't know if, if you know, the world just doesn't care because who, who cares about the fantasy game, you know, with the, the defensive side of things, but at some point mentally, you know, that I, that's got to start becoming an issue for him. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's kind of like, it, I, I'm kind of reminded Ray of like four or five years ago in the NBA with James Harden, where like the dude was totally unstoppable offensively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's just dominating opposing defenses and you know, he's got the ball in his hands and he's fun to watch. He's exciting. He's a little bit different. You know, he just somehow makes every shot. It seemed like, but his defense was atrocious. And, and you're right. No one, the people who cared were the people who cared about the NBA. Like, oh, well, the Rockets win. Can they win with this kind of awful defense? And to Harden's credit, he's improved. You know, he's kind of worked on that. I don't think he's, you know, he's not near a shutdown guy, but it's, it's the same thing. He was so spectacular as a fantasy player that he didn't really care about the defense. And I, I think for the fantasy player, it's not going to matter for Tatis because Ray, as bad as the defense is, and you're totally right, it's 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 bad defense. Could you ever see the Padres moving him? I mean, could you ever see the Padres yanking him in the seventh inning to get a better defender on the infield? I, I just, I can't fathom it with San Diego. Yeah, they, they've got Machado at third and they've got like 18 guys to play second base. So they're not moving him to a different position, right? Um, 
I guess if the shoulder became an issue, they could try first, but then they got Hosmer there making $180 million a season. So could they move Machado to short and Tatis to third? I, I don't know if that solves the problem. I don't I either. Guess be an option. Yeah, I guess they could. <laughs> and, and, you know, why, why does this matter with the steals rate? Well, because I'm just saying that at some point, you know, at some point the shoulder is likely to be an issue. And even if it's not, there's so many things going on here. Like Kyle said, I mean, the defense is bad. The 246 batting average is bad. A 31% per strike percent strikeout rate is bad. This is a guy who's apparently starring, right? And he's playing terrible defense. He's terrible at making contact, and his batting average stinks. So I just wonder if those things start to weigh in and they start to impact other components of his game as well. If he has any kind of setback at all, even if it's a minor one, does he run? And I think the answer to that is no. And, and let me, you know, the home run total is huge, seven home runs. And, you know, it's the best in baseball. There's, what, a couple of guys, I think, with seven home runs. Um, but it is worth noting, and I only throw this out, he is hitting a home run on half his hits. So let me say it, half his hits this year have been home runs. Compare that to his career total. And, and as Ray said, it, this guy's through 158 games, almost a full season. Um, he's had 46 home runs. That's hugely impressive. But his home run there is like one out of every four hits. So what I'm what I'm trying to get people to, to understand is right now, half of his hits are home runs this year. For his career, a quarter of his hits are home runs. And that includes this season. So, you know, coming into this year, it was like 20%. And, and that's, that's more, 50%, nobody can do that. You know, unless you're, I guess, Mark McGuire or Joey Gallo and you, you know, get 95 hits a year, you know, I guess you could hit 45, 50 home runs, but for Fernando Tatis, we're not expecting 95 hits a year. We're expecting 180. You know, that's, that's kind of what we're shooting for. So that home run total is great right now, but it's kind of covering up um, the lack of ribbies that he has. He's got just nine ribbies. It's kind of covering up all the strikeouts, the sub 250 average as is though, Ray. And, and let's end this on a positive note the numbers you read through about the 158 games. I mean, if this guy pulls off a 40, 30 season with like a 300 average, this is the best player in fantasy baseball, yep. right? I mean, oh, cause yeah. you know, Acuna is not going to, well, we don't think Acuna is really going to hit 300. Maybe he proves us wrong. We don't think Soto's going to run, you know, Mookie Betts is good all around, but does he hit these levels? I mean, if, if Tatis did it, you know, 125 runs, hundred plus ribbies, 45 homers, 30 steals. I mean, forget about it. That's the best guy in the game. Yeah. And I'll end it on a negative positive. Um, he, <laughs> he, if he does those numbers, absolutely. He will have justified everyone that spent that, you know, first, second, third pick on him this year. And they'd be laughing all the way to the bank because they'd be winning leagues. Now, can he play enough games to do that? He's had injuries now multiple seasons and it's a young guy. And, and that it's not just the shoulders lingering. He's had injuries for multiple years now, the back, so I don't know. I mean, you can't put numbers up like that playing 137 games. Like, so, you know, let's not forget he's already missed time. He's likely to miss more time. That's probably the key with him. Well, Tatis is back. Maybe that's the most important thing. He's on the field now. Um, and again, hey, I, I got to just point this out, not really as a fantasy player, but as a baseball fan. Um, seven games between the Padres and the Dodgers. They were fun. And Ray, I know you hate hearing that as a Giants guy, but um I don't care about your Giants anymore on the West Coast. I'm, I'm Padres, Dodgers. I enjoyed the Boo. hell out of it. It was great. Boo. You're right. It was good, though. Now, your, your Giants aren't awful, though. They're, no. They're, awful. they're, they're playing awful. good baseball. They're awful. They're playing good <laughs> baseball right now, Kyle. Well, they're not exciting. Would you give me that? They're, they're not oh, the Padres and Dodgers. Not even close. Excitement. <laughs> they have a better record than the Padres right now, don't they? But no, they're... they're yeah, but they haven't played close. the Dodgers seven times. That's the difference. No, it's not, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, the Giants... We were, I was talking to Jim Bowden about this Sunday night, 7-9 on Sirius XM. And, uh, you know, we weren't talking on air. We are talking off the air. I was actually talking with Dan, our producer. He's like, oh, the Giants. Giants. I said... Yeah, this is a lot like, you know, when they were winning the World Series and I'd look up every morning and say, I don't know how they're winning games. <laughs> like, they're not this good, but they put together some some good baseball thus far, but it, it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah, well, uh, that kind of slides into our uh, second spot in the starting nine because, uh, again, talking about Tatis being back off of injury, uh, a lot of injuries propping up over the weekend, including one with the Giants. Um, Mike Yastrzemski with an oblique. He left early, so big question mark there. Those obliques can can really just hamstring a season. But probably the biggest names, Ray, would be Mike Trout and Trey Turner. Uh, I think Trey Turner is going to be fine, but I, I throw him in here because Mike Trout was supposed to be fine. And we haven't seen Mike Trout since, uh, what, Thursday night? 
He missed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday after getting plunked on the elbow on Thursday night. Uh, they're still calling Trout day-to-day, but it was a totally lost weekend for anybody with Mike Trout. And for Trey Turner, he left early on Sunday after getting hit by a pitch, a forearm injury. Nationals are saying he's going to be fine. We shall see. But I don't know, Ray. You look at Trout, and you know, I guess you just have to believe what the Angels are saying. I just kind of found it a little awkward that you know the guy gets hit, stays in the game, gets yanked when it's seven nothing on Thursday, and then we don't see him for three straight days. You know, I hey, it's a ninety five. What was it? 93, 94 mile per hour fastball. It hurts. I get it, but I was kind of surprised to see him miss the entire weekend because of it. Yeah, and this is you know. This is not a situation, obviously, the level of Tatis. This is not a situation anyone's talking about surgery or long-term negative effects, any of that stuff. Um, But it is concerning because, like you said, he was – it looked like he was fine. They said he was fine. Then it's a game. Then it's a second game. Then it's a third game. You know, at what point do we get nervous? I mean, I guess, obviously, if he's not out there next time out, we're we're probably looking at the injury list. I saw some quotes and stuff from Madden and everything. And it's like, well, we don't think, we don't believe, like you don't think or believe he's going to the injured list. Like that doesn't make me feel good. And so I think if you've got a line, I mean, again, we're recording this at eight o'clock in the morning Pacific time on Monday. I mean, I, I don't know how you leave try out of your lineup this week. If you have it, you know, set it on Monday and that's it for the whole week, but I wouldn't feel good about it. No, I, I just stick him in there. I can't imagine Ray that there's more to this. Maybe there is. It's, uh, uh, Christian Yelich. Well, you mentioned the stance the Angels are taking. It's very similar to what the the Brewers did with Yelich. Absolutely. And and here we are on Yelich. He's going to miss like a month. And remember, he left that Sunday game. This two weeks ago, he left that Sunday game in the second inning. And uh, the Brewers again were they were blown out the Cardinals. I think that day. So you know it was no big deal. And you know they got an off day on Monday. And um, you know maybe he misses Tuesday, but he'll be back by the middle of the week. And here we are, Ray, two and a half weeks later, and we're probably looking at another two weeks with Yelich. Now again, a back and an elbow, totally different. But it it references the point of a lot of times these teams say things, and by all means, do not take it as gospel. Um, even with star players, it's I, I would play Trout, but I guess I won't scream at the angels. If, uh, for some reason he goes on the IL this week, it's just kind of another maddening fact of fantasy baseball. Oh yeah. I mean, this is, and I don't mean to suggest that the angels are inept or they don't know what they're doing. I mean, this is one of those things like he gets, he got hit by a pitch. Mm-hmm. Like it happens all the time. Now, if you run tests and there's nothing torn or broken, it's like, well, it's swelling and it hurts, you know, and that's, you know, this is the guy who, who knows his body. This is the guy, you know, Mike Trout's not trying to get out of the game because he doesn't feel like playing. I mean, so, <laughs> you know, clearly, clearly he's just not feeling good enough to, to, to believe he can go out there and help the team. And yeah, you know, maybe Trout- the pain, and it could be something, Ray, as simple as the pain is too much when he extends the elbow. Yeah. You know, throwing it, swinging a bat. And, and I get it. You know, a, a lot of times I'd say, well, shoot a painkiller in it and play, but. Everybody has different standards. Yeah, and it, it could be twisting. It could be the extension. It could be whatever. It could just be something relatively minor. And let's face it, teams treat these players like they're made out of tissue paper. It's just you and I have talked about it on this podcast so many times, especially the high-end players, and you can't get higher end than Mike Trout. If there's anything there, they would much rather say, we will give up three games than three weeks. It's just how they do it. So Mike Trout, for all we know, could be saying, I want to play, I want to play, I want, and they're not letting him play, yeah. I mean, you know, because they want to be safe here. Um, I, I, just look, I just look back, and it's, to me it's sad because this is, the world's just different now. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you go to work if you're getting paid, you know, and all throughout COVID and everything, I showed up for work every day. I did my job every day. I, I made my, hit my assignments on time every day, and I feel like everyone is just, they take time off and – they're not you know, putting as much effort in. And I'm not saying that's what Trout's doing, but that's the way it seems with baseball. Like every 10 minutes, someone's going on the injured list, guys getting pulled out of games. We're supposed to be more physically capable today than at any point in history with doctors, with medicine, with training. How is it getting worse? Just don't get it. Hinjin Ryu left early on Sunday. Glute issue. Um, we'll see with him. Although I, I will give him an excuse, right? He does not look like the most physically fit human being so right no, he, he he can leave early because i look at him and i go oh yeah i could understand him being out of shape <laughs> I, I, right 
but yeah, he's 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 proved me wrong for the most part the last couple of years yeah. staying healthy. But you know, someone asked me in the chat room today, "How do you feel? Do you feel good about him this week?" And I'm like, "Eh, I, I don't. Really, I, I really don't. don't." Yeah, I said yeah. the same thing, Kyle. I agree with you. I think I'd have to sit him. A couple of other things. Um, Alex Verdugo hamstring issue could be out until midweek. That makes him a questionable start where you have to set your lineup. Tommy Pham coming up lame with a calf injury. Uh, look at Pham's history. I wouldn't really expect him to be qu- that quickly. That could be an issue there. Uh, on the good news side, uh, Ray, finally, Toronto is set to activate George Springer. You know, as, as long as they don't put him through like 19 plate appearances in a scrimmage on this Monday. I, I think he'll show up on Tuesday and be ready to make his Blue Jays debut. Yeah, that's the way it looks. So finally, yeah. And he he is another player that, you know, had a, a secondary injury. But, um, you know, he wasn't expected to miss this much time. And it, it took forever. And Kyle Joe, he had 14 at-bats, I think, in a game is what Kyle's referencing to. And then he got yeah, the inter-squad scrimmage in the next day. Lo and behold, yeah. he turned up with a quad in. Yeah, yeah. Really? I, After 14 plate appearances? Yeah, shocking, right? We all do that on a normal <laughs> basis. That's getting ready for game action. Um, yeah, so he, he you know, w- whether he hits the ground immediately and is his, his self or it takes him a little bit to get involved, let's not forget, same thing we've, saying all, we've been saying all preseason that or all season – uh, it's not just the minor leaguers that aren't playing. These these you know injured baseball players, these major leaguers don't have a place to go. They're inner scrimmage, batting practice, like you know they they don't have game action to play in. So I wouldn't be surprised if he started slowly, but that's a, a potentially great lineup that he could be hitting at the top of. So Springer uh, set to return Tuesday. That's the cross your fingers hope for plan. Uh, speaking of returns, Debbie Garcia Ray got the call up from the Yankees, and I bring him up because uh, if you can still make moves. Uh, the dude is in line for a two-start week, which would be, I think it's Baltimore on Monday night, and then this weekend it'd be Detroit. Um, now, now Baltimore's a little dangerous, and, you know, certain pitchers you, you worry about in Baltimore. Detroit is not dangerous, uh, but Debbie Garcia could be a, a decent pickup for this week if somebody's looking for a couple of cheap victories. Yeah, I agree. Uh, big arm. Uh, the question, obviously, and then I, I got this over the weekend at Fantasy Guru, is, you know, what do you, how do we view this guy? And you know, it's one of those scenarios. It's not even necessarily about how do we view the talent. Um, it's about what's the role going to be? What's the opportunity? And that's, it's always the big hookup, uh, hookup here because, or hiccup here. Uh, you, you, you can't just bid on the talent. You can't just add the talent because the talent has to be in the lineup. And we, we just don't know what's going on. It, are they going to go six-man rotation? We've heard that. Uh, is it a spot start? Maybe. Is Corey Kluber going to get rested because he's looked terrible? Maybe. Are they thinking the same thing with Jamison Tyon? Are they going to put him on the IL just to give him a little bit of a break because you know they're really managing his, his pitches? And I don't know. So it's a it's a tough call. I think this week as a, as a short term, yeah, go for it. I, I don't have a problem with that. But you know the, the 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 expenditure in terms of fab costs or waiver wire priority to get a guy that we're just not sure if he's going to stick in the rotation that's difficult. Let's move to the three spot in the starting nine here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. And uh, on Friday night, uh, Ray and I were doing a show over on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, our usual show on Friday nights. And um, we had a segment, Ray, where I was, you know, we're always talking about pickups and stuff and who to get and who to grab and all this stuff. And I I thought, you know, let me throw out some veteran names. You know, guys, we've been there, done that. We kind of know what they can do. Um, We may have drafted them like the 25th round or lower. And we're wondering, hey, do I just cut this guy? You know, I want to pick up player A, but do I cut this guy on my team? And one of the names I brought up in that discussion was Madison Bumgarner. And uh, Ray, you told you told the audience, you said, you know what? I'm holding on to Bumgarner. And and I kind of rolled my eyes to myself. Ray, you did. And said, oh, this oh, you is did verbally Ray. too, Kyle. Come on. Yeah, yeah, this is just Ray playing favorites, you know, talking about Bumgarner, his, his giant uh, stud. Um, but then, Ray, you must have known something because Sunday he shows up and he throws – quote unquote, a no hitter. Um, now, first things first, Ray, does this count in your book? Is this a no hitter? 100%. Bumgarner said, I cannot control the innings. I can only control the hits. Um, so he can't do it. It's a seven inning double hitter, no hits allowed. And and as we sit here, Ray, I still don't know if baseball really calls this thing a no hitter either. I, I, I'm i going to say no. I, I don't consider a seven inning no hitter. Just like I'd have trouble if the game got rained out after seven innings and we called it. And he got it. I, I wouldn't like that no hitter either. I'm I'm not going to call this the third no hitter of the year. I am 100% calling this a no hitter. Oh. 100%, not even 1% doubt. And here is why. And it has nothing to do with what I said about Bumgarner last week or being a giant or anything like that. Madison Bumgarner got a complete game. Madison Bumgarner got a shutout. Go to MLB.com. Look it up. 
You can't pitch a complete game shutout and not get a no hitter. Period. He Wait started the game. Let me stop you. Let me yes. stop you. Right. Okay. Those are stats. Right. A no hitter is not really a stat. It's a description. Okay. That that's the first person that said that. <laughs> no, I mean because we we're running a poll on Twitter last night with okay. the show, and it was you know everyone's. Uh, I haven't seen it said that way. My response to to that would be the following: that you know, you, and you said you going back to what you said. You know, game was rained out or whatever. An official game is seven innings, which is the dumbest thing ever. We've talked about that. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. But it's what Major League Baseball has done. Major League Baseball can't create a scenario where the game is officially a seven-inning game, have someone perform in that seven-inning game, and then say, we're not going to count it. You can't do it. It's not Bumgarner's fault that they don't play nine innings. You can't say, well, this would have happened. No, okay. You know, the game is over. Well, Ray, what happens if a guy pitched a nine-inning no-hitter and he lost in the 10th inning? Game was still being played, okay? Madison Bumgarner started and finished the game. He didn't allow a hit. It's a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was reading, I think it was over at the New York Times. I saw this uh, last night. Baseball, there, there was, a, it was in, I think, 1991, Commissioner Favis Vincent, who, who didn't, you know, you know, have a great reputation. Well, I shouldn't say great reputation. Faye Vincent, I guess, shepherded us between the Giamonti uh, sudden death and then Bud Selig taking over. And Ray, one thing they said there was in 1991, I think it was, baseball said okay we got to create official no hitters because guys were you know getting no hitters in you know six inning rain delays or Mm -hmm. postponements or you know a guy threw nine innings they took him out in the 10th he gave up a hit in the 10th and it's like well what do we call the nine innings so all this stuff happened um and this is from the the piece to be an official no hitter a game would have to meet this simple and narrow definition here's the quote a pitcher are pitchers had to pitch a complete game of nine innings or more without allowing a hit. That's what they said in 1991. So by that standard, Ray, this should be pretty simple. It's not a no-hitter. But back in 1991, we weren't thinking about seven-inning baseball games either. No, because anyone that would have suggested a seven-inning baseball game in 1991 would have immediately been kicked out of baseball. Yeah, that was before the wild card even. So, I mean... It, it, now again, this is the this is the problem. You're you're right, and I mean I can't argue. You're right, okay. But the problem is that in this this is the unintended consequence, or maybe the intended consequence of of the idiocy of what Major League Baseball is doing. And I got to tell you, um, this, these things are going to come up more. These issues are going to become uh, more and more prevalent because this stuff it's not going away. And, and we were talking um, to. Who were we talking to last night? Billy Bean um, with the athletics was on the, the GM's corner and Jim Bowden asked him, what do you think about the seven inning doubleheader? He loves it. Hmm. He asked John Daniels, the president of the Rangers, what do you think about the seven inning game? He loves it. So because they, they both and they both said that something of the following that like, hey, you play a 14 inning game. Everyone loves to look at the box score the next day, but no one stays up to watch the game. People leave the game. The fans actually there aren't even there at the end of the game. And then for two weeks, you're trying to figure out your bullpen because you blew it up in this game. So those are two high-level baseball sources that think this is the greatest idea ever. So I don't think it's going away. As much as we thought it was last year and then this year COVID, it really sounds like there is certainly a groundswell of support amongst teams. So unfortunately, scenarios like Bumgarner's no-hitter are going to come up unless they change the way, you know, quote unquote, the unofficial rules are written. What about those fantasy leagues where you get bonus points for no hitters? Well, <laughs> and, and, well again, you know, and, and on, I didn't look this up because I, I was doing other things last night, but I like there, you get bonuses in DFS, complete game, shutout. You know, uh, I mean, again, it's, I, I, to me, the real problem is you get a bonus. It, it's a complete game and a shutout, but it's not a no hitter. It's just incongruent to me, right? Yeah. It's either all three or it's not all three. That's, really my biggest issue well in, in 91 when baseball made that change um like dozens of no hitters disappeared that had been considered no hitters ever gone and and the elias book of baseball records which i guess is the repository for all this stuff um they now define those no hitters and i would guess Bumgarner is going to be here we'll see uh but they define those no hitters that disappeared as notable achievements you know, so it doesn't it doesn't have quite the ring, does it, Ray, to say Madison Bumgarner had a notable achievement this afternoon in Atlanta. Yeah. Or Madison Bumgarner had an unofficial. It's like 
that's just dumb. <laughs> well, let's move away from that and go to the four spot in our uh, starting nine. Talk about the uh, hot ads in a league that you and I are both in, the uh, Sirius XM Hosts League. And and Ray, I don't know if you saw this because I don't, I don't know if you can see other people's bidding, but uh, you and Jeff Manns secured David Peralta for $78. And I'll have you know, Ray. Were you the 73? Yes, I was the 73. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> now, do you need him? Because I need him. Do you actually need him? Kyle, you need all the good players you can get. Um, no, looking at our outfield, we just got back Austin Hayes, who had a good week. Um, but yeah, we could use another outfielder because we've got Ben Intendi, who's, who's struggling a little bit. Jeff McNeil, who's struggling a little bit. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, Hayes, who just came back. So yeah, we, we, we needed him. But at the same time, you know, that's... A, that was a mistake to, to drop him, right? Like that shouldn't yeah. happen. So uh, we were happy to take advantage of it. Yeah, I uh, I need a, I'm dealing with the trout thing in that league. I'm not getting anything from David Dahl. Um, Starling Marte's on the IL. So I, I was I'm I'm pretty short in the outfield right now. My UT guy is Jordan Alvarez, and he's just clogging that up and got all sorts of infielders and some with multi-positional eligibility, but they don't have outfield. Like I'm rolling Tommy Edmond out as an outfielder right now, which is fine, but I just needed some numbers there um, because I didn't get Peralta Ray. I ended up with Jonathan Daza of, of Colorado and I don't even like that. I, I was looking at his schedule. Mm-hmm. I brought this up on one of my show. I was talking about Daza as a, as a possible bid and you know he's going to play every day for Colorado, but Ray 10 of their next 13 are on the road. Mm-hmm. And hey, I just know Colorado when you take them out of course field, especially this team. I think they're also playing at San Francisco. St. Louis is a road trip there. Um, I settled for Daza and and was pretty upset that you went Peralta. Well, I mean, you know, he is 11 for his last 30, right? I mean, he's hitting 367 the last couple. That's of weeks. all in Coors Field, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, the thing the thing with him and, and you know to define who he is, he's not a power hitter. He's not a speed guy. He's kind of a more of a slap hitter type. He's Raymel Tapia Jr., I guess. Eh, without the speed. Um, but he's 27 years old, and, you know, they he's always hit. Like, he's always hit in the minor leagues, and his defense is really good. And, you know, you, you look at Sam Hilliard. Sam Hilliard, does he going to bat with a with a bat in his hands? Like, he's just been horrid. So Daz is, you know, at worst, the fourth outfielder on the team. And the way it looks right now, he's really given himself a legitimate chance to play every single day. So at least there's that, Kyle. Uh, Ray and Jeff also picked up Jake Diekman of Oakland, $39 there. Um, I took uh, Ryan Weathers, and I probably overpaid, but I, I need pitching. I need some wins more than anything. And so I figured I, I'm, I haven't bet on Denilson Lamette for three months now. I'm not betting on them returning this year. I think Ryan Weathers is going to be used. It's not going to be every five days. They're going to have to, you know, massage him through the season. But I, I took him for 55. I got to give it up to Steve Phillips, right? I really like the price he got on Austin Gomber and Kyle Gibson. Getting Gomber and Gibson for a combined total of $29. Uh, and, and Gomber was notable because he's got a two-start week uh, this week. I think it's uh, San Francisco for one and Arizona for the other. Uh, but I really like those grabs by Steve. We were the second place bidder on Weathers, Kyle. Um, so we were. Right What'd you go him. with there? Four bucks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thirty-nine. No, thirty-nine. Okay, okay. It's the same price as Deekman. We we went uh, there, um, and we had bid. Uh, we didn't get him because we ended up getting Deekman. But in our pitching list, we had Gibson at thirteen dollars. So we were right behind Steve. So even if it was up to to me, it would have been Steve's guy because he went sixteen. Um, but yeah, that Gibson. Very interesting, right? He's been terrific thus far. Um, we know who he is, and and what we're seeing is not who he is. And you know, we can talk about the fact that you know he's over his head and all over his skis, all that kind of stuff. But he's pitching well. And um, right now, you know, with the way that the the landscape of pitching looks, certainly not a bad option to throw sixteen dollars at at all. In terms of the players who brought in the big price tags, Danny Duffy goes for ninety one, uh, Domingo Herman at ninety one. And then Adolis Garcia, Ray, 121. Now, a lot of people may say, well, gosh, in my league, people gobbled up Adolis Garcia last week. Uh, it's a 12-man league, and I think with experts, Ray, we all kind of look at Adolis Garcia, and we all see the same thing. Um, he's not going to be long for this major league world, and he strikes out too much. But we're really now on two weeks of Adolis Garcia hitting the baseball. So uh, all of a sudden, I think last week, you probably could have got Garcia for like 40 to 50 bucks uh, this week. He's all the way up to 121. Yeah, I, we bid 23 on him, so we missed out there. Not that we were we got our guy before him anyway, but I, I I think the 121 was an overbid, and you can see that there was only one other bid that was over 60 bucks. Uh, it was at 98. But you know, if you if you in 
you know, it's early enough. And if you have enough fab money, it's okay to overspend to get your guy, right? I mean, it really mm-hmm. is. And 121, 101, eh, you know, you can make that up in the end. Garcia is a nice power bat. Uh, you know, the question was, is he going to stick in the lineup? Well, with the way he has performed, you mentioned David Dahl not hitting. Like, it really looks like he's got a legitimate chance to stick Garcia. And, uh, you know, he, he's he's got that, he's got a power bat. And right now he's rolling a little bit. And, you know, he's hitting over 300 the last week as well. Solid pickup there by Schuster. Um, as for the standings there, and, and you mentioned Ted Schuster, Ted's uh, sitting in first place. And so that's a first place team spending all that money on Adolis Garcia. And, and Ted's got a good lead. Now it is really tight between second and like seventh or eighth. Like everybody's within three or four spots. Uh, Ray, you and I are back to back in the standings, middle of the pack right now. But again, it doesn't take much of a week to move up to like third place in this league, but uh, Ted Ted's rolling right now. It's, it's a, uh, what a nine and a half point lead for him at the top. Yeah. And I feel bad for Ted. <laughs> and this is why, because Ted why? is already, because you're going to hunt him down. No, of course. <laughs> yeah. And he's already sent multiple IMs and stuff about how his team's in first place. You can't be doing that in April, Ted, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you, you know, you look at his squad, Yadier Molina has been terrific. Um, uh, let's see who, who else has been good. Ty, Ty France, France, yeah, Turner's pressure. getting them stolen bases. Yeah. Buxton, but, but, but I mean, look at this lineup. You're going to win a league with Jed Lowry, Robbie Grossman, Kiki Hernandez, and Kyle Lewis. No, well, but not. but Ray, okay, fair. But no. you can also win a league with JD Martinez, Bryce Harper, Byron Buxton, Justin Turner, Trey Turner, and JT Ralmuto. Yeah, are you going to win a league with Matt Showmaker and Joe Ross in, in your starting rotation? With yeah, Christian that's the King? thing I'm looking at here, Ray, because yeah. I don't think. You know, pitching wise, he 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 got Domingo Herman from ninety. He needed a guy like Herman because right. it's Griffin Canning, Aaron Savale, um, Joe Ross, Showmaker, as you mentioned. Um, Even Taiwan Walker's Yarbrough. got a nice arm, he's, but he's got Lamed on the D. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bad team though. I don't think no. it's like I don't look at this team and say, well, that's obviously going to fade this year. I do, but it's probably because <laughs> it's tech. no. I mean, it's a long season. And I think the reason, just to be fair, the reason Ted is pushing back is because on draft day, he all he did was he went crazy with the pitching a little bit. And we're like, what are you doing? Like, he just blew through. I don't, I don't even remember. He got like pitcher, 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 like all in a row here. Um, good start for Ted. Hey, he's ahead of me so, thus far. I guess I should keep my mouth shut. Yeah, he took Glasnow and Scherzer early. Also has Josh Hader, I think, on this team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he did go early with the pitching. Uh, let's move to the five spot in our starting nine here on Baseball Elite. And uh, every week over at uh, Fantasy Guru, uh, Rob Hovia puts together a uh, weekly rundown that is updated throughout the week uh, with new information as it comes in. It usually, you know, hits the website on Sunday mornings, maybe Saturday night. We visit with Rob on the weekend from time to time here on the podcast. But we do always like to point out a few of the highlights. And uh, one of the things that's so useful is uh, just a quick encapsulation of who's actually playing and who isn't. There are a lot of teams with seven games this week, but there are some teams with five games, including Pittsburgh, San Diego, Toronto, the Mets, and the Nationals. So again, for weekly setups, you might want to pay attention to that. Another thing Rob brought up. No. Kyle, you're Ray, there? Is, is oh, there for the seven okay. game weeks that the Dodgers have seven this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, did, did I avoid you? Yeah. We got, <laughs> we got you. You're lost. back. Uh, but Rob brought up the LA. Okay, the, Rob brought up the LA Dodgers. Um, seven games this week, and the key point he brings up, Ray, is seven right-handed pitchers are scheduled to face the Dodgers, which for a weekly league, a guy like Edwin Rios or even Luke Rayleigh. These guys are going to be in the lineup a lot this week, and it may only be a one-week play, but that's the kind of edge that may lift you in a weekly setup. It absolutely can be, yes. Uh, and it's it's why Rob's article, that weekly planner, is so important. And it's it's got two-star pitchers. It's got matchups. It's got games played, home, away, left, right. All these things, they're vital. They really are vital. And I, you know, I was at the chat room this morning, Monday morning here, answering questions at Fantasy Guru before coming on for the podcast. And I got this thing open as I'm answering questions because people are asking, who do I start this week? And I'm like, well, seven games here, five games here. Hmm, I mean, making up two games is tough. You know, someone was talking to me about the Red Sox. I'm like, you know, Kiki Hernandez. And I'm like, well, I mean, Kiki Hernandez smashes lefties. That's his, that's his deal, right? How many lefties are they facing this week? One. Well, so yeah, I think that the, especially when you talk about the overall games total, it's so important. And that lefty righty thing, in 2021 means a hell of a lot more than it did in 1991 because teams do really pay attention to that stuff in this day and age. Well, another thing to bring up in Rob's piece, and I know it's been talked about elsewhere, but you know we, we all look at ballparks and, oh, this ballpark favors hitters, this one favor, favors pitchers. 
Uh, just to confirm it, Ray, as expected, Dunedin, Florida, where the Blue Jays are calling home. And I think they're going to be there probably at least through May for their home games. Um, it is playing as a very uh, heavy hitters ballpark right now. So, you know, just for reference with DFS or even daily leagues, um, it looks like the ball is going to have plenty of fun when the Blue Jays are at home for the first two months. Yeah. And that's not surprising. Everyone expected that, um, you know, and it's, it's like, it's like on home runs, right? I think it's in the piece there. It's like greater than Coors Field, like significantly yeah. better than Coors Field. Yeah. And, it, and that also, I mean, I think most of the people that I saw really try to get into this, which is tough, right? But really try to get into this in the offseason said it was like a top five offensive park. If you look at the way it is and the way it's likely to play and all, it's and and that's why when we've talked about the the Blue Jays, it's always not just the offense and the skills and the players they have; it's where they're playing, and it is a significant advantage for the batters. So that is something that people looking at making minor moves, you know, going for those, those lower level players playing the matchup game. If if they're at home, especially early in the year, like you're suggesting, it's really an important situation that needs to be thought of, and one that if you can grab someone on that team that you're not overly jazzed about because of the advantage of the ballpark, take it. Uh, elsewhere on that uh, weekly planner article, Rob goes through some buy lows and some uh, buy highs. You don't often see that, but guys who are having good starts and he's all in on their good start. So uh, check it out. It's available again, updated throughout the week there at fantasyguru.com. Moving to the uh, sixth spot in our starting nine, Ray, it's time for the uh, daily, or I should say uh, every podcasty player profile. Uh, take a look at Framil Reyes of the Cleveland Indians. And I brought him up, Ray, because Framil Reyes had a great day on Sunday. Uh, hit a homer, hit a triple, drove in runs, and even stole a base, which is notable, Ray, because in his first 314 games, Framil Reyes had zero stolen bases. Uh, so notable. he got one on Sunday against the Yankees. Um, and, and what do you make of Reyes? I, I feel like kind of quietly, mm-hmm. he's had a good start to the season. Uh, the bugaboo, though, is still whiffs here. I mean, this guy is striking out at a great rate right now, but when he's connecting, he's doing a lot of damage. Yeah, I think coming into the year, one of the issues, and again, everyone's league is different, but he should not have qualified in the outfield. He should have only been a UT guy. And and people are reluctant. You know, we've seen it for years with David Ortiz, J.D. Martinez. People are a little reluctant to clog up their spot with a guy like that, even if the offense is going to be really good. Um, to date, the strikeouts are there. I don't think they're going away. I think it's just part of his game. Um, the rate's about 2% higher than it was the last three years. So it's same exact ballpark. It is a little concerning that his walk rate is half of what it was. Uh, again, I'll, I'll chalk that up to 19 games. Okay. And I'll say, let's give that some time to normalize. Um, I will look at his, his exit velocity numbers and say they're up a tiny bit. You look at his barrel rate, it's way up. It's not a sustainable pace, but that supports the exit velocity being a little bit higher. Same with the hard hit rate. It's too high right now artificially because of sample size, but he hits the ball hard. The issue with him is A, can he stay healthy? And B, can he get the ball in the air? That's really the two things. If he stays healthy and gets a ball in the air, he's a 30 home run guy. It just mm-hmm. is. Well, Maybe we more. should note, and people forget this, right? The dude hit 37 home runs in yep. 2019, yep. and they forget it because, you know, last year was such a mess, and you really didn't get a payoff of, of understanding 2019 stats, but he was also traded that year. So it was like he was in San Diego and Cleveland, kind of got lost in the shuffle. But, I mean, it's not like this would be a breakout showing for Framel Reyes if he hit 30 because right. he almost hit 40 yep. two years ago. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's not – and it's not just that he almost got to the number like – that's that's who he is right like sometimes we say this could happen or whatever you you watch him take bp you watch him hit the ball you know he hits the ball hard like i said he hits the ball really hard the issue with him is getting it in the air and you know that is something that i've you know hung my hat on with him because he's got a 47 percent ground ball rate for his career in order to do that to hit that many balls on the ground almost half the balls he hits on the ground in order for him to do that and hit 35 plus home runs he needs a huge home run to fly ball ratio because that ground ball rate is more than 10% higher than the league average. He, he just doesn't lift the ball. So it does two things. One, it has a chance to suppress his batting average because hitting eight fly balls obviously dings your batting average because the more fly balls go, to, go for outs than the other type of hits. And then secondarily, it's the home run to fly ball ratio. Now, right now, his career mark is 28%, which puts him in the Hall of Fame. Like that's elite. The mark is 26% this year. So it's right in that same area. There's enough data for me to suggest that, yes, he's a 25-plus home run to fly ball ratio guy, 
there is enough fly ball to say, yeah, he can get to 35, but it's that tight wire act, Kyle, where he's right on that edge. This year, the fly ball rate's 40%. So if it's up the extra 5% that we're seeing right now and he holds that, then I start relaxing a lot when I say he can hit 35 home runs. Well, and, and so much of, you know, this is a guy that we know, we know the name, obviously, but, you know, is is his team going to let him play? And I, I think, Ray, he's mandatory for the Indians. Yeah. Like, they, they don't have any other options. He's their four hitter, which I think there's a lot of safety in that for fantasy players is, is just knowing a guy who isn't necessarily a sure thing um, and hasn't gotten a ton of time with his current team because of issues that are beyond his control, you know, traded midseason, 60-game year last year. Uh, but he's going to be out there every single day. And he is behind Jose Ramirez. Who you figure Ramirez can get on base. I mean, overall, the Indians lineup is not all that attractive, but I still think there's safety with Framel Reyes that he can put up some solid numbers. For me, I wonder about the batting average, um, you know, because with this strikeout rate, it's difficult for me, Ray, to see him hitting over 250. Is it difficult for you? Uh yeah, consistently, yes. I mean, 255, 260, you know, okay. But in that range, uh, hitting 275 like he did last year is extremely unlikely given his overall approach. Fram El Reyes, our uh, player profile on this uh, late April edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Let's go to the seven spot. And, Ray, I was looking uh, at the uh, saves leaderboard earlier oh, today. Why would you do that, Kyle? Well, because everybody's looking for saves. And I said, well, let, let, let's see some of the names who are out here. Because all we heard, oh, saves are junk. And who, who the hell can you predict to get saves? All that stuff. And, and I'm watching last night's game, Ray, and, and Mark Melanson gets a save. And what do you know? Mark Melanson leads baseball in saves. He has eight. And, and Ray, I looked at that leaderboard. And what kind of caught my eye is there are unexpected names like Melanson, uh Diego Castillo, Emmanuel Classe, Alex Reyes, Jake McGee, you know, not, not that they had saves, but they're at the top of the leaderboard, you know, they're top 10 right now in saves. And people might say, well, that's how the save games go. You know, you just get these guys off the waiver wire. But then I thought to myself, these guys weren't necessarily waiver wire pickups. These were guys that were drafted, I think, in almost all leagues. People may have not liked Melanson. They may have not liked Jake McGee or um, Matt Barnes, and they may have not known what Classe or Alex Reyes was going to do, but all of these guys were drafted late, and that is one thing you and I brought up a lot in the preseason. Take your shot on those relievers late. Um, you never know what you're going to get, and and right now, if you just waited on relievers, you probably struck on one of these guys, maybe not all of them. You know, you didn't get all three of the guys who are the but I think, Ray, there's that payoff there of if you stay away from the top 10, top 15 game, there are still saves to be found at a really cheap price. Um, in a lot of leagues, these were not waiver pickups. These were guys who were actually drafted. I'm I'm looking at ADPs and like Reyes is 430, McGee 403, Melanson was 300, uh, Classe 425, Castillo 326. Uh, these guys were actually drafted in plenty of leagues. Yeah, and uh, it's really... It's really interesting how this is breaking down. I write about bullpens every Monday at fantasyguru.com. I give the closer, the number two guy, the number three guy in the bullpen, and then some news and notes. So I'll be doing that later today. Uh, I, I, I just want to point out one thing just to see it. By the way, Alex Reyes has more walks and strikeouts right now. Um, for all those people that are doing victory laps with him, you might consider that. That's not good. And, and he's walked a tightrope in at least yep. the last two games. Yep. More walks than strikeouts. Ugh. Um Josh Hader, who everyone had one or two. Josh Hader, who was being drafted like fifth or sixth round in so many drafts. He's thrown six and two-thirds innings. Like, you know, Martin Lanson's thrown 11. Jake McGee's thrown 11. Matt Barnes has thrown 12. You know, so it, it, it speaks to this whole confusion of, you know, what do we get? What, what's the purpose of, of spending draft capital? I mean, you know, Hader's got four saves. All those guys I mentioned have as many or more, and they're throwing twice as many innings. I mean, it's that's an issue, you know, and, and you look at this group of all the guys with four saves or more. I think the only one that wasn't drafted was Cesar Valdez, you know, yeah. and, and that's totally defensible and understandable why he wasn't. Uh, overall, he's been exemplary. He's had a couple of rough outings, and he's teetering just because he throws 84 miles an hour. 
But yeah, you're right. The rest of these guys might have been 27, 28th round picks, but they were taken if you were in a 15 team mixer for sure. So here's the question, Ray. Who who do you really worry about? Now you mentioned Reyes with the walk rate. Um, Of these guys I mentioned, again, these are guys not picked up. A lot of these guys were drafted. Matt Barnes, Castillo, McGee, Melanson, uh, Reyes and Classe because of their big arms. Okay, I'll take a shot here. Who do you feel worrisome about like who's the guy you say okay they they may get some more saves but the numbers are maybe going to come back to bite them here eventually i'm worried about reyes just because you know we we've we talked to john mosaic on the the show on sirius xm and he said to us what he said other places like they, they want him to throw 100 innings this year because he wants to start and they want him to start in the future he's not going to throw 100 innings if he's the closer so i don't even know if he's going to be the closer all year long you know, regardless of how he performs. And again, more walks and strikeouts is hideous. So he concerns me. And the other one that really concerns me is, is Emmanuel Clase. And I, I just think it's fascinating because I drafted him last year in, in multiple leagues, like in the 30th round, right? Just a lot, like we're talking about doing that, that. I used him as one of those guys last year and it didn't happen last year, suspension and all that. But it's like people woke up and we, we talked about this. People woke up and all of a sudden realized he throws 99 miles an hour. It's like, He's still 99 miles an hour for years. Why did no one ever care that he threw 99 miles an hour until this year? I just, I find that so fascinating because all, and again, beat Well, riders. to the general fantasy player, he's kind of, I, I've never seen this guy. Right. You know, he's with Texas. He was injured, suspended or whatever. I mean, it's, uh, that's why, I guess, with Clyde. He still feels brand new. Yeah. But isn't it interesting too, though, that, I, and I will admit, I didn't read every article at The Athletic or MLB.com or, you know, did you hear beat writers saying he was going to be the closer? I didn't. No, it was it was Karen Check. <laughs> Karen Check with Whitgren is the guy behind him, right? So either this it just feels a little unnatural to me. Not that he couldn't take the job and run with it. Again, he he throws 100 miles an hour. Everything he throws darts and dives. Like okay, he's a two pitch guy, um, you know. And that that there's always a slight bit of concern there. Uh, what's his ability to run through you know 70 innings? We're not quite sure. There are two other viable options if he has a hiccup. So, you know, you can make tons of plus reasons to say this is legit and he's going to hold on to it. But I think you can make some arguments on the other side, too. Let's move to the uh, eight. Well, actually, one, one. I'll throw this in real quick. I know we're a bit up against the clock, but it, it, I, I kind of throw it out for my own use, Ray. You know, I own Jordan Hicks in a league mm-hmm. and he hasn't been very effective. And obviously he's not getting saves. Mm-hmm. I've considered possibly trading for, for other needs that I have moving from Jordan Hicks. And I'm pretty good in the bullpen just in general, though, the idea of Hicks is, is one still of value that can pop up say June or July. And everybody still needs to realize that it goes back to what you were talking about with Reyes. But if you have Jordan Hicks, I wouldn't just bail on him again. The numbers aren't great and you're not getting saves, but he's still kind of a long-term play. Yeah, obviously he had the arm issue and then there was um, diabetes too that's kind of Mm -hmm. derailed him a little bit, but he's 24 years old. His arm looks healthy again, right? He's another guy. He throws 99, 100 miles an hour. He's like every third pitch is 100 miles an hour from him. He's got a legit fireballing arm and the Cardinals obviously planned for him to be their closer at this point of his career. Uh, Could he get there this season? He absolutely could. I'll also say that, you know, Gallegos, Giovanni Gallegos, has also pitched way better than Alex Reyes. He's pitched very well. He's pitched better than both these other guys on the surface. So I, he could maybe get in the mix too, but I, I would agree with you that if Hicks is healthy, uh, I'd be very surprised if at some point he's not working the ninth inning for the Cardinals. Eight spot here on the show is the random reference. I'm going to have a seventh inning stretch though before the random oh, reference because Ray, we, we did get some news on Christian Yelich here during the recording, a little we, bit of news. We did, yeah. Um, and it's from a national guy, John Morosi, who basically said that the, I'll just read what he tweeted out. Christian Yelich could return to game action before the week is over after the recent MRI of Yelich's back revealed no revelatory findings. Now, we knew that nothing really popped, but I think this is the first time we actually heard that, yeah, nothing popped on the MRI, but he's kind of expected to return. The word is could. So, eh. and I, you know, if I had a weekly lineup and I have Yelich in weekly lineup leagues, I'm not starting him, you know, but if you have the opportunity, as some leagues do, where you can change your lineup midweek, maybe we can get him active this week. There you go. So uh, we get you that update on Christian Yelich. Now time for the random reference in the eight hole. Over to baseballreference.com we go. We click the random page. And this is a good one this week, Ray. 
Um, active leaders for errors committed at catcher. Oh, there's like trillions of pages. This is one of them. Um, and they got all their photos lined up there. W- would you like to make a guess of all the catchers in baseball, all the old guys, the active yeah. leader in errors? You got a wow. guess there? Hmm. I want to say Molina just because he's the guy that's played 2,000 games, but he can't be Molina. It is. It is, is it? Ray. Is it yeah, really? Well, and, and, and to your point, the dude has 18 years behind the plate. Uh, most of these other guys are like 10 to 12. Um, but, man, it speaks – like this guy is – some people may call him the best defensive catcher ever. Some. Right. And and he leads the position, active players, 77 errors for him right now in his career. You know, it's hilarious. I just pulled up the page as we were talking here. And by the way, I didn't look. I just guessed, and luckily I was right because it was just a game's play no, move. No, brilliantly, yeah, yes, you were right. Yes, <laughs> um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that even if he plays another, you know, couple seasons, Kyle, that he's not going to finish top 25 all time uh, in errors because uh, he'd have to have his number go up uh, by 400. percent You see these numbers? The old For all time all errors. T- Pop Snyder. Pop Snyder holds the all-time record for catcher errors with 685. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess, Ray, without looking. They, they probably called pass balls and wild pitches errors back then. Probably. <laughs> and he was catching in uh, – he started his career in 1873. I don't think they had gloves back then either, to be honest. But, yeah, that, that career record is wild. There are uh, – let's see. There are five guys who had over 400 – and we're not even talking about Molina being to 80. Well, I'm, and I'm looking at these guys, right? These all look like ship captains, all these all these players <laughs> from the 1800s. They're drinking a whiskey with some yeah. uh, clam chowder on the docks. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the top 25 is, is kind of the photos they're showing. And I'll just say this. All of them are black and white photos. And one of them, Ray, appears to be a drawing out of the Wall Street Journal. As well, you know, with one of those pin drawings that they do of the play. You love so. the first te- of the first ten. Only one guy doesn't have a giant handlebar mustache, too. <laughs> Jack Clements, the only one without the stash. See, back in the day, Ray, to be a catcher, you had to have a mustache. It turns out. There you yeah, go. Apparently, Who, who'd have known? Uh, that's a fun one. Active leader for airs, Yadier Molina. Uh, just so you know, uh, Lou Croy, 64. That's 13 behind Molina. Kurt Suzuki also at 13 behind at 64. And it's worth noting Gary Sanchez is already seventh Ooh. on this list. He's got 46. The difficulty for Sanchez, Ray, is honestly, he's probably not catching two, three years from now, is he? No, he's not going to catch enough games to – I mean, he could <laughs> he could catch Molina, but no, he's, he's, a, he's a poor defensive catcher. I think they make excuses for him. Uh, to kind of give him a little bit of shelter because he's passable. But if he were to end up on another team, I they might just stick him at UET, at DH, excuse me. Wrapping up the podcast, we get to the nine hole. Uh, Ray, it's uh, time for the stamp of approval. What does Ray Flowers feel that everybody needs to appreciate today? Yeah, Lazy Sundays. And I say that, and I'm going to describe to you quickly my Lazy Sunday, which wasn't really lazy, but for me it was lazy. Um, I still had the show on Sirius XM last night uh, with Jim Bowden. Uh, I still had to prep and plan that show out. I had to spend, you know, an hour and a half doing, you know, waiver wire stuff. I had to spend an hour and a half studying, you know, so I spent, I worked six hours yesterday. So that's my lazy Sunday, but I'll say it was lazy because I woke up, I got some breakfast, I laid on the couch, I watched TV for three hours. I read a book for an hour. I didn't do anything in the morning. And uh, just to take a half day off, Kyle, it reminds me, how good a lazy Sunday can be. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, my stamp of approval, Ray, I'm sitting here at the uh, kitchen table looking out my window uh, here in the Midwest, and I'm just going to say, um, as I look out my window, I've never appreciated the dogwood tree until like the last week. I got a, I got a really nice one, fully grown one in my front yard, and it blooms white flowers. Uh-huh. Um, eventually they turn green, you know, in the summer, but right now it's in bloom. And it's really beautiful. There's dogwoods all over the place in Missouri, but I've never paid attention really to them. But here, as I was listening to you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talk about Madison Bumgarner and how he deserves a no hitter. I was staring out the window and I said, that, that's a, that's a good looking tree. So the dogwood, so, so, little respect for it. So I see, I don't know much about the dogwood. I see white and pink. They are one or the other. I guess. Oh. I don't know if I've seen many pink ones. Cornus. I think pink's kind of rare. 
Cornus is a genus of 30 to 60 species of wooded plants in the family of Cornacre. Wow, that's way more than I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to give that stuff okay. to stay on. This is a very surface level appreciation of the dogwood, Ray. I'm not like studying its tree rings and such. I'm not it, doing that. It looks very pretty. I can see yeah, it is. thumbs up. Yeah. Now, I don't know how many weeks it's going to stay like this, right. but it, it looks really nice um, at this very moment. I'll update you as we go forward in the upcoming days and weeks to see if it's still in bloom. Uh, final thing, Ray, as we head out the pod door, um, I think you've mentioned everything over the previous hour, but uh, real quickly, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Baseball Guys. You can find me on Instagram at the Ray Flowers. Uh, this is the free podcast for Fantasy Gurus. So like we said, you can still sign up for the season-long coverage. Plenty of time to help, you know, take you from eighth place to first. So uh, go to the website, click on the Join Now tab in the top right corner. We have a chat room that is available every day, 24 hours a day. You leave your question, you get your answers. Uh, I have office hours on Friday. Rob Povia has them on Wednesdays, so you can actually have a back-and-forth discussion with us there. Uh, and also, if you want to play the DFS game at EliteFantasy.com, we've got you covered there. Baseball going right now, of course, but we've got basketball, hockey, uh, golf, MMA, um, NASCAR, esports. We got it all over there at elitefantasy.com. Use the promo code ROB30. And you can even see Kyle and I hosting live streams, breaking down each day from 5 to 6.30 Eastern, Monday through Friday. Yeah, 90 minutes of that with uh, DFS talk every single day. Um, as for me, I guess I'm going to be a tree hugger. I'll be hanging out with the dogwood. So I don't think I've ever been accused of that, but... Now I guess I'm probably accusing myself of that. Um, that will do it for us on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Uh, hopefully we did it for you. We will see you later in the week. Again, subscriber only in the middle of the week. You can check us out at fantasyguru.com. That does it for us. Have a great start to your week. We'll see you a bit later right here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. Podcast.